Good day and welcome to Australian Grape and Wine's latest podcast. My name is Tony Badalane. I'm the Chief Executive of Australian Grape and Wine. And today I'm very glad to have Will Snow from Finlayson's uh, here with me. Will Will's a partner of Finlayson's. He's an expert on employment law. He is not Will Taylor and I'm reliably informed that he's much more effective than Will for those of you who know him. And that's um, just a comment. He's Will's, both Will's are personal friends of mine. Will Snow, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Tony. So today we're going to talk about a really knotty and difficult issue, and that's about COVID-19 and vaccine requirements. There's been a lot in the press lately about what you can and can't do. And I think what Will will point out is that it's all different all over the place. But let's get the ball rolling. So, Will, can you just tell me what the current state of play is with wine businesses in Australia and the vaccine requirements? Yeah, absolutely, Tony. So look, it's a, it's a very contentious area, I will say, as well at the start. So um, as of record, the time we're recording this, just an hour ago, the Victorian Upper House finished 21 hours of consecutive debate. I looked at the, um, at the photos um, on the Age website of various um, members of parliament falling asleep, getting kicked out of the table as they were debating how the Victorian government um, should uh, legislate about how they can control their pandemic restrictions, including their really crucial uh, requirements and directions in relation to vaccinated um, uh, workers, including um, workers in the wine industry. So, Tony, if we look at around the around the states, I'll go some from sort of least sort of most restrictive to sort of least restrictive. So um, Victoria has really led the way with respect to its government mandates, really requiring anyone and in, in particular in connection with the wine industry business, anyone working in a winery, employees, uh, contractors, people coming on site, it, it's incumbent on you as, as a business owner to collect vaccine information, um, not permit access to the premises if you're not vaccinated, um, uh, there are very limited exemptions to that, but that's generally the rule. And then also for um, for, for for customers at, at your cellar door and in your um, other other venues. So similar sort of approach has been taken, although not nearly so um, so broad sweeping um, in New South Wales and soon to come in in WA, especially with respect to um, to licensed venues. And then as we cascade through to South Australia. Um, especially with relevance to the wine industry, there are really no, um, there are no government um, mandates or requirements with respect to vaccination status. And Tony, in the context of South Australia specifically, that's led to um, a lot of a lot of wine industry businesses asking the question of what do we need to do? What can we do? How do we consult about having a vaccine uh, mandate? Do we need to have it? And all sorts of those sorts of questions that flow on from there. So, so Will, one of the things, of course, it's not just a legal requirement. There's a duty of care to employees and employees and customers. And I know a lot of wine businesses that just want clarity about what they can and can't do. And they're worried about how they can implement their vaccine requirements and still maintain customers' respects, but still look after their employees and those people coming to their cellar door. Um, can you give me any, any, any guidance on how wine businesses go about implementing those vaccine requirements? Yeah, so that really, so we think about that duty of care obligation, which, you know, um, applies to your, if you're a business, it applies to your employees and also your contractors and also to your customers when they're coming, you know, um, um, into your venue. You need to ensure their safety so far as reasonably practicable. And that's the, 
the really bedrock obligation that we're looking at when we're thinking about um, vaccine mandates. So that's that's all about ensuring safety so far as reasonably can be done in light of the risks and the measures to control the risks. So the the guidance on that, and there'll be a, there's a link um, um, in the show notes to some really quite really quite a good summary there from the Fair Work Ombudsman is about understanding that if there is um, community transmission and if there are risk factors where you have people uh, you know interacting face to face, working closely alongside each other, especially with vintage coming up or circumstances where you're interacting with members of the public, then if you have community transmission, if you have cases in the community, then they're the sort of factors that may indicate to you as a business to say, look, implementing a requirement for um, employees to be vaccinated is a reasonable measure to ensure their safety. And you can get, there's a lot of debate around, around this, and I've sort of heard a lot of arguments for and against, but the the, the data, the, the, the modelling does show that if you've had two vaccines, if, you, if you're double vaxxed, if it's AstraZeneca um, or Pfizer, then you, the chances of transmission are greatly, greatly reduced. So therefore, you are lessening the risk of a virus that we know um, can harm and, 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 and can result in fatalities as well. Yeah, thanks, Will. And I guess uh, for those uh, listening, we will have links to uh, a whole lot of uh, information that you can look up on the web, which will give you a better idea. Um, so when Will refers to a link in the notes, they will go up on our website. Um, I, I guess, Will, what's the risk if you don't have a vaccine requirement and someone gets uh, catches COVID from uh, being on your premises, either as an employee or just as a visitor? Well, the the what's the risk? The as in well, my assessment at this stage, Tony, is that that might be very hard to prove. Number one, although there could be, you know, you can prove that a strain was caught here or there. But I think that the fundamental requirement is, with you thinking about those sorts of risk issues, is to ensure that you are meeting the required um, mandated issues regarding COVID safety plans as they are in place at that time. Um, under the direction of your relevant state or territory. So if you're meeting those requirements with respect to um, social distancing, uh, mask wearing, um, if, if, if they apply, um, and, um, and, and other issues, then you, you are demonstrating that you're taking reasonably practicable steps to ensure people's safety. And I think that in almost all cases, that'll be satisfactory to, um, to manage that, that sort of liability. Um, I've not seen cases uh, around, you know, liability to do with the, the, um, obtaining COVID. There was a, that said, there was a case just from um, last year, so this year rather, that was decided relating to a worker based in, um, arising out of work in New South Wales. And they were, their role was in New South Wales, but they had to travel internationally for their work. They proved that they got covid transiting, this is well prior to the vaccine and when COVID was spreading widely um, throughout the United States, in particular in, in 2020, they got COVID because they were traveling. They then, um, uh, they then died sadly as a result. And then there was a claim, a successful claim by, um, by, by the widow of that, of that deceased person uh, for workers' compensation. So, but that, th those principles about 
if you if you get ill or you get injured as a result or arising out of work, then workers' compensation will apply. Those considerations will apply equally to COVID as they would to any other illness or, or injury that arises out of work. Yeah, and it's certainly an issue that we're well aware of an organisation where we travel a reasonable amount and, you know, trying to understand the complexities around what happens if someone catches COVID during those, those trips and, and how that impacts in a business. Of course, like all wine businesses, our primary concern is for our employees and for those we come into contact with. Uh, but the, the legal aspects are, are very confusing for uh, many small businesses. Mm. Um, you see a lot of this, Will, and you're getting a lot of questions. Um, what are the emerging issues you're going, you see in this is the vintage? And I've got, a, I've got a follow-up question just to talk about contractors on um, in vineyards and picking and, and how you deal with labour hire companies. But uh, just you know, let me know about the emerging issues first and then we can go on to some more detailed questions. Yeah, the, what's really emerging is, and these again are the, the questions that are, that, that are coming to me, so they're not necessarily representative of, of, of anything rather than you know, the ones that hit my desk, but uh, businesses really want to understand how they can implement a vaccine requirement. Uh, people are worried, people are concerned, um, and there are a whole host of concerns. We've talked about a, a, a number now already, Tony. I think that um, health and safety issues are a concern. I think a really important parallel concern is about business continuity and making sure that your business can be as resilient as possible in the event of, of, of outbreaks and in the, in the, in the event of, of, of higher community transmission. So people really want to know what, what more can be done. So the question there is, how do we implement it? How do we go about that? And the approach that I usually take there is to firstly really get a sense within the workplace of the extent of vaccination when what's commonly done then is to survey staff and depending on your size of your workforce, that could be just done face-to-face -face through discussions, through, through you know, meetings and consultation, or you could send around an email or a survey about it. And then you're going to get a pretty good picture of, of, of how many people are vaccinated. And that's going to immediately give you an idea of how protected is the workforce in the event that um, there's a COVID case in connection with, with your business. And then what flows from there often is a series of, of more sensitive and one-on-one -on -one conversations, Tony, where, where you're sitting down with people who have answered a survey in a particular way. They may say, um, I am unwilling to be vaccinated because I'm in late-stage pregnancy and I'm going to be off pretty soon and I don't want to, um, I'm just concerned about my health. And you might take that one way. And there might be another concern of people saying, look, I... I'm, I'm dead against vaccines. Um, and, that's, and that's an opinion which um, um, is shared to a, like statistically quite a small percentage. But if I had to say that, say, if you had a workforce of, say, 100, Tony, then often there's really, there's really four or five people who've then got that, that concern who are not about, I haven't had time yet to book the vaccine, but I, I've, I've, got a, I've got a health or another sort of belief or, or opposition to being, to being vaccinated. And for those situations, then it's a more sensitive discussion because ultimately you need to, to listen to their concerns. Um, you may be able to 
um, encourage them to get vaccinated by providing them with support to say, look, we want you to get vaccinated, make an appointment. There's a clinic, you know, 15 minutes away, come in late tomorrow morning. I don't care. Make the time, book it in, get it done. Um, I've seen those conversations work really effectively. Um, or for other people, it may well be, well, look, if you're, if you're unwilling to, to be vaccinated and, and where we're considering implementing a requirement, then you can look at other approaches. So there have been people that have expressed concern about the current range of vaccines that are available and they've expressed concerns to say, look, I, I, I want to hold out for a different vaccine or, or a different treatment method. And there are there are more medicines coming out now that, that, that can manage COVID. And it may well be that in the context of their role, they could say justifiably, look, you know, lockdown, I could do my work perfectly well at home. Now, that's not going to be the case for someone, you know, working in the vineyard or working in the cellar, but there are roles where people could confidently demonstrate that I was quite productive working from home. So that could be a conversation to understand that. But these are all conversations that they that may well lead to the point where you say, well, look, we've consulted about the requirement, we've addressed concerns, and that we're going to let you know that this is now a requirement of our business for our employees to, to, to be double vaccinated. And from a legal perspective, and again, this will be, this is done, uh, there, there'll be some more information on the website. The Fair Work Ombudsman has said that if you're providing essential, essential services and if you're providing services to the public and if you're working in, in close physical contact with each other, and there, I'd really put all, all operational activities of, of any winery into that category. Um, and if there is community transmission, then a requirement to be vaccinated, more likely than not, is going to be a lawful and reasonable requirement. So it's about the cases. And if we look at, say, South Australia in that context, we we, we don't have community transmission at, at present, the, the 1st of December, but that's that, that will change. And, and the understood position is that there's a community transmission is slowly going to increase as we learn to live with this virus. So it's a real, it's a real moving face. But as a trend, Tony, people want to know what can I do to ensure the safety of my staff, to ensure the continuity of the business. And given that all the other measures of social distancing, hand sanitizer, mask wearing can only do so much. So it sounds to me like um, good communication with your employees um, and good two-way communication and understand the issues can, can resolve a lot of the problems where they start. And it's probably essential before you uh, make some of those broader decisions. So, I mean, that's a, that's a really good point. What about for the, um, in the instance of third parties like labour contractors, when they come on site um, and they're not in, in contact with either your staff or in because you've got good COVID um, policies around the place or your your customers, but there is a there is a problem an infection that somehow happens or is reported from that. Is there is there a problem for your business? Uh, yeah, look, look, look. There could be. So, so people, so labour hire workers are your workers under the Work Health and Safety Act. So, you can legitimately require of them the same. Uh, measures of compliance, say, with a vaccination policy as you require from your own employees. You could decide to only accept um, labour hire workers if they can provide evidence of, 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 of being double vaxxed. And um, in the current situation, that would be, in most situations, a, a reasonable requirement. 
I think for, for, for liability, though, that, that again comes down to, you know, if, if someone does get, if someone gets COVID arising out of work, it doesn't really matter how it, how it got in. And it doesn't, and it doesn't really matter how good your measures were to, to prevent it from coming in. So in a, in a work, in a workers comp context, we're across Australia, we're dealing with, you know, a no fault scheme where if you get injured, if you get ill arising out of work, you'll get, you'll get that support. So all of these measures are ways of reducing the risk. However, um, if the risk arises, you really aren't going to be able to point to, you know, your COVID safe plan or a whole suite of safety measures that you had in place, but regrettably didn't didn't provide protection in that particular instance. So I guess that's my, my next question is that, yeah, vaccination is one thing, but you, that has to be part of a COVID safe plan and the COVID policies. So every business needs to have one, doesn't it? Particularly in the context of a, an ever-changing faces, Omicron, however you pronounce it, uh, number 15 in the Greek alphabet comes into, well, South Australia, it will inevitably will get there and it's possibly will get into other states as well. So Yeah, yeah so there's, there's um, it's, it's always, it's just a great and ongoing question to ask who is in charge within any business of keeping up to date with the latest available information. Um, industry associations are really quite good at, um, and other business bodies are really good at disseminating that information rapidly. Uh, I, I know that if, if you're trying to read some of these government directives and government orders, regardless of the state or ter- territory, they can create, it can be quite a, um, a difficult exercise to rapidly comprehend them. So. You've just got to continue to ask the question of, are we compliant? Are we meeting the current requirements in place? And I think it is useful to see this topic of, of vaccination requirements for your employed and your labour hire workforce as another measure of, are we meeting the our obligation that we should do? And again, Tony, that risk question is, do we have community transmission and have we made the assessment the risk assessment in our own business that, geez, we've really we've really got to mandate vaccination because that is the next reasonable step for us to do given the risks. Yeah, I, and I think that's um, yeah, a really good point. And I guess one of the, the biggest points I hear is from businesses, they don't want to be in a position of having to mandate all their visitors or customers in particular double-vaxxed or advertise the fact they support it because they're worried there'll be a consumer backlash from that three to five percent of of people who don't believe in vaccination for uh, cultural or religious or, or other other activities um, but that becomes a commercial choice I guess yeah and that's a that's a really interesting commercial choice that 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 we're seeing play out in a whole host of different contexts and again we're thinking about those states and territories which don't have that mandate so um, obviously, you know, very large venue in Adelaide, the Adelaide Oval announced just um, last week or might have been the week before that, that people who, who don't have proof of double vaccination can't gain entry. I know that's thrown a number of sort of, you know, people's Christmas plans into disarray that were planning to hold functions there um, where, where they might have made the assessment that we can't meet that requirement. Um, that's an assessment that that, that organisation has made um, and just as of this morning, Tony, I looked in my inbox and I've accepted, I accepted a drinks invite um, um, and I've just been told now that, that, that they themselves as an organisation that are hosting these drinks have implemented their own requirement that, that, that guests provide 
or, or confirm that they've been double vaccinated and that's a condition of entry. So these conditions of entry, it's it's really hard, isn't it, Tony? Because if the, if the government just says, look, this is what everyone's going to comply with and this is what compliance looks like, then it's a very broad axe. And, and I guess the benefit there is that there's some clarity and you can you can say to your patrons, look, don't shoot the messenger. We're just trying to comply with the requirements. But it does make it hard for, for businesses who are, who are trying to understand what the risks are and they, you know, is it is it sticking your neck out too far to require this of people? Is it reasonable? Um, and look, reasonable minds can differ on that. I, I, do, I do raise the question, and especially in light of, you know, some of this guidance that's come out about from the Fair Work Ombudsman about, about um, community transmission being the touchstone um, in, in South Australia in particular where, where we have no community transmission as I understand it that that's that brings that question in into light mm. and but also many 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 customers of people listening to the podcast might want to ask the question as well it's like well if I'm going to be you know if I'm coming to your cellar door can you assure me that all your staff have been double vaccinated and that's a that's a question that is legitimate to ask and and you know you should you should answer it um, um honestly yeah, and it's that's a really good point. And it's not only the staff; it's also other customers. They want to not put themselves at potential risk, and they want to be assured that they're going into a safe consumer environment. So, look, that's really helpful, Will. I think you've pointed out it's a really complex issue. It's one that uh, obviously you need to have COVID plans in place as a business, uh, and it needs to have vaccination. You need to take reasonable care. Education and communication are key. And um, look, and I think it's just keeping an eye on legal requirements as well, but it's, it's about keeping your business and being responsible to your employees and customers comes first. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot for your time, Tony. And thank you, Will. And look, thank everyone listening. We will put up some more information on the website. And please, uh, look, if you have any doubt, you're worried about legal requirements, go and see a good law firm. It's worth the advice. Um, and, you know, and they can provide better than we'll, we'll give, we'll do what we can. It's a moving feast. It's difficult. And it's a really, really uh, complex issue. So thanks very much, Will. Really clear explanations. Um, it's made it a lot clearer for me. And I hope it's made it a lot clearer for you listening. So thanks, everyone. Cheers.